right, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is your favorite gay and geeky podcast from a queer Black perspective. I am Nick. And I am Victor, and this is Megasheen. Megasheen, yes. The gay Siskel and Ebert on the internet. Uh, what is it? I, I, I should have some more little nicknames for us, but that's the only one I got right now. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's that type of weekend where, you know, whatever is whatever. So, right. Yeah. That's very true. And we have a special guest. Uh, Victor, uh, tell us who we got on the show today. Well, we have... Uh, uh, we, we had this guest on here before, and everybody should know, you know, this person here is has a great podcast called The Velvet Rope, um, and they also... Um, we'll give you great commentary on many things on Twitter. They talk about Janet, which we're big Janet fans on this on this thing. Um, and you know, you may know this person by Phoenix. I know this person by AJ. But you know, welcome to our show today. I have to say that um, also, when it comes down to comic book stuff and comic book movies. Um, he also has a great opinion on things. Sometimes we differ in our opinions, but you know, it's always great to have different opinions. So welcome to the show today. Thank you. Thank you. It's so good to be back. I think I think we're like two for one now. This is the second time I've been on here. So yeah. <laughs> no, no, we're two for two. Two for two. No. Yeah. Yeah. Because you did a a special episode not related to the third season yeah, and then I had you on about, season three. Yeah, we talked about Mortal Kombat and everything. I heard it's gonna be yeah. another one coming. So yeah, yeah. And on another fa- screen. On uh that note, a Mortal Kombat movie, uh can we just go ahead and kill off Lewis Tan's character because uh, he is good well, to look at, but my God, some of that acting is well, we can't really watch. kill off Luke Kang since he's like the main character. We can't really kill him off. Yeah, we can. He's been killed <laughs> off many times in the uh, the the game. You said kill him off. Oh my goodness. Well, or he could just be there in the in the, in the you know shirtless in the shadows. Or, <laughs> or he can just be in my bed, but you know. Oh, my God. Y'all can have that one. <laughs> I mean, that. you know. How you going to save the world in your bed, sir? How you going to save the world in your bed? That's, that's the question. He's going to save my life. Oh. And my <laughs> life matters. Okay. <laughs> Lord Jesus. But, yeah, I heard that we, there was going to be a scream, and I'm like, hasn't Sydney Prescott uh, went through enough you know what, she, there's going to be, you know, since, you know, it's going to be another one. I think they need to focus on everybody else but Sydney. This should be, we should just move on to something else. Mm-hmm. Let's just what? have, she got two kids now. It's time for Sydney to just chill. Have, and then, you know, I think, and I think if y'all, if y'all watched the movie, she did mention um, the, her, man's name and if you remember his name was the same name of the guy in Scream 3 played by um yep. well 
the doctor from Patrick Dempsey. Yeah, Patrick Dempsey from uh, what's that show that yep. I didn't even watch? But Grace and Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, Grace Anatomy. I never watched it. Doctor um, McDreamy. Yeah, Doctor McDreamy. But um, you know they are together. I we're assuming, and so therefore they got two kids. So let her just raise her kids. We can bring her kids in in the future, but we'll just leave her kids. Let uh-uh. her- this has to be the last one because I know Ghostface is tired too. Like I gotta kill some more folks. Like everybody is tired. Well, this is well, this is the thing with Screen Five. I think a lot of people don't realize is Screen Five really didn't have nothing to really do with Sydney at all. It was more so about Billy Loomis's daughter, and Sydney was just in there as you know the secondary you know, hero, kind of like, not to mix the two together. Um, I can't remember Billy Lewis's daughter's name. Um, she was like the Anakin and Sydney was like the Obi-Wan in a way because she kind of washed over her when she came onto the scene and Sydney didn't show up till towards the end of the movie anyway. But- That's true. Okay, that's a, that's a, good, that's a good analogy of the characters. But mm-hmm. the thing is, they're always going to find some way to have someone be ghost-faced. Like this one we saw, um, it was more so the, the two killers were upset about the stab movies. And um, I did like the fact that the boyfriend was actually one of the killers and he played it so well that you did not suspect him at all. But um I was a, I was very hurt that they killed Dewey. I was I was I was a little ups- I almost shed a tear because you know Dewey is you know Dewey shit. It's like mm-hmm. we lost Tatum in the first one, and she was like everybody's homegirl. Yeah, and yeah, Dewey. You know, Dewey been through it. Dewey been stabbed so many times. What seventeen times they said? Dewey been stabbed. Yeah. And, but I knew somebody had to go. It's been that to the point where somebody had to go. You know, it could have been Gail for me, but Gail went in the in the fourth one. We almost lost Gail in the fourth one because she did get stabbed. But she been shot before too. All of them been shot, stabbed, everything. (laughs) But it's like the only one that's been shot that actually didn't. The one that's been shot that didn't bleed was Sydney because Sydney got shot in screen three. But that bitch was smart to have a bulletproof vest on. That's true. That's true. Sydney was smart. But Sydney should get some type of social security. Like at this point, somebody they need to be like, I, there should be something new. Uh, President Biden, we need to have. You might need to have something all new right. for folks who've been through all this type of drama like this. You know, like can we get? Like, you better call one eight hundred as Gary or one eight hundred call GJ Wentworth. Uh, <laughs> that shit. Yeah, her. But when you uh, think about it, bro. And now let's um, see. And now the new, the other woman, I forgot her name from the the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. She back, so I'm just like, yeah, I saw that trailer. Yeah, but see, the thing is, it's like when you think about it, Hollywood cinema, cinema as far as horror movies is, Halloween has stood the test of time, as bad as a lot of them were, past the second one. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street has stood the test of time. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And now Scream, um, even Jason. But I think out of all of them, though, as like the big horror franchise, Texas Chainsaw was, is the one that's kind of like the underdog because that's kind of the one that a lot of people don't talk about a lot, you know, because we kind of really don't remember a lot of the sequels. 
Like people don't remember Matthew McConaughey was in one of the sequels with uh, Renee Zellweger at one point. Um, but this new one, I, I see they're starting to do the same formula, which I think is so ridiculous that, you know, Terminator did where they're saying, okay, forget all the rest of them. It really is linked to the first one or the second one. Like Halloween did that and Candyman did that. And now Texas Chainsaw is doing that. I'm like, really y'all, then that's just a waste of time. Like, come on. Well, you know, it's a money, it's a money tree though. So that's why you mm -hmm. keep doing it. Um, but sadly it's a money tree, but it's like um like uh what's his name? Warwick Davis who plays Leprechaun, they asked him, why do you keep playing Leprechaun? Is and Robert England said the same thing. As long as the fans want it, I'm gonna keep on doing it. But do they want it? Though? That's what I'm always saying. Like, there is—is is this just money involved, or do the fans really want? I guess there are, because you know, there's. It's people, a little bit of both. You know, people are out there really defending some of these movies, and sometimes I'm like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm a horror fan, but I can only go so far. Like when they talk about *Malignant*, I'm like, I we don't need to talk about that movie. To me, I saw it once. I don't need to see it again. And yeah. yeah Everybody's like, oh, I can't wait for the sequel. I'm like, the sequel? What right. else? I fell asleep watching it. And I was like, oh, I don't need to see this then if I fell asleep. What was it, Nick? <laughs> I said the sequel. <laughs> is that necessary? I'm like, you okay, know she got scap issues. I don't want to see any. I don't want to see none of it. I thought well, we did got she say, Did she say she has scat issues? I said scap. Scat. Oh, I was about to say, no, wait a minute. Oh, this is like, mess. Hey, ew. I'm sorry, I know some of y'all like that, but not okay. But you know, it's so funny. It's like you can go on Wikipedia and read the synopsis, and it's like, okay, well, I know the movie, then I don't need to see it now. That's true. Well, true. Um, while we own this, you know, hard tangent, there, there is now, there has been announced that will be in the city as five. Um, and if y'all remember the first two, this is going to follow the sun. So the sun is going to be in college. Um, it's going to follow the sun. Now, technically, this is Danny Torrance. If y'all know who Danny Torrance is, that's the little boy from The Shining. And if you saw Dr. Sleep, which I have watched multiple times for no reason, um, it's basically Dr. It's well, it's basically like that because this kid can do the astral projections, Danny could do those type of things too. But you know, if they're gonna ever do a sequel of something, I would love if they go back and kind of do, you know, kind of play with The Shining, but bring back the, the girl, Abra, because I thought that was really nice. And it's a black girl, you know, with those abilities. So it'd be nice to see somebody of color in these movies going through stuff like this to a degree. Because um, you know- And wasn't the first, the first Insidious, uh, was that the one that the the monster looked like him from the Powerpuff Girls, and then the second one was the mom was mad because the little boy didn't want to do drag. Is that? <laughs> <Am I? laughs> um. So yeah, the first one it, it really had a lot to do with the 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 boy, like you know, the 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 father was able to do it, and so therefore brought in this the woman in black and then the woman in black returned, but this time it was a lot of other ones that wanted to, they wanted to be able to, it was basically a rip off of Poltergeist if you think about it, cause that's what that what happened with that. Carolyn went to the other side, they all wanted to come back. Um, mm -hmm. And then led by that, that 
at Crazy Looking Preacher. So therefore, it's kind of, they all kind of rip from each other. But yeah, you're right, because Insidious 2 was a lot. Because I remember sitting there like, Lord, this- I was like, why is she so mad? Like, girl, calm down. Because <laughs> she wanted to die. Like, you know what? I never, I never watched any of the Insidious movies because I, think, I remember watching the first one a little bit with a group of friends and it just did not keep my interest. I, I got kind of bored. But I think now I'll probably sit and watch them because um, it's so funny when you guys were saying about the shining stuff, it made me think um, I saw this um, two part eight hours, eight hours documentary, both parts are four hours, but it's so good because it's called In Search of Darkness. And it's basically about they really go through a lot of you you know victor a lot yeah, of the, they, they uh, yeah. horror movies from the 80s mm-hmm. and a lot of them were either some you either forgot or some you never seen or you just heard of like i heard of the thing but i never really watched it and even there's some that i want to watch like demons where people were trapped in the movie theater and shit um i love that they really touched on um uh dress to kill and, I had uh, just watched that a couple of days ago. Oh, you did? What did you think of it? I had watched it before when I was younger and had no business watching it. Um, <laughs> it was Brian De Palma is something else. He do love throwing his women up on the news and showing all their business. Um, he, it was he okay. Yes, Music background though that good the music that's true yeah I love all that stuff from Carrie to that he knows how to give you some music though so I give you I give him that Um, but I love Dress to Kill I love that and it's almost in the same realm of I don't know if y'all ever have seen it but if you ever get a chance to see the eyes of Laura Mars that is the gayest horror movie you will ever see. It, it has all the dramatics. It has Ralph Julia. It has Tommy Lee Jones. It has Faye Dunaway. It basically what it is is she can see the the killer. She can see through the killer's eyes when he's killing people. Um, Didn't they do a movie like that? Yeah, later like this was done like in 1978. Yeah. Um, but if you get a chance, it's like if you have Amazon Prime, it's on Amazon Prime. You can watch it there. Um, it's fun and it has one of the best disco hard moments in there it's it's always talked about because of the fact that it's the most gayest thing you will ever see um well see that's the funny thing too because when they were talking about a lot of the horror movies um and they interviewed nancy allen uh who still looks pretty good i gotta give her credit she looks good um they even interviewed um the girl from Return of the Living Dead that was, you know, all blue and naked when she became a zombie. And she was saying she was one of the first few women in the 80s that showed her breasts because she realized, okay, if I show my breasts, they're going to pay me more money. So she kind of started mm-hmm. that trend. And so to speak, in mainstream movies, I mean, because come on now, porn been around since the 70s, child. Um, but as far as mainstream, and they interviewed Robert England, and he said that he hates that so many people forget 976 Evil was his movie that he directed and um, it didn't get as much credit as it should have. And um, cute little pop trivia for everybody that's listening as well. 
Um, Nightmare on Elm Street 3 is the fa- is actually the fan favorite out of the entire series, which is kind of cool, though, in a way, because I think it's because, you know, it's relatable to teenagers because it's like they're kind of like superheroes within a horror movie. And, yeah. you know, it's a different side of Freddy that we, we didn't see. But people also forget the second one is like the gayest undertone horror movie. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty much, it is, it's noted as the gayest <laughs> like, one. Um, it makes you. Yeah, and there's a documentary on Shudder about two and what the intent was uh-huh. of two. And so, yep. y'all get a chance. And I've met the actor before at Comic-Con. So if y'all get a chance to see that, go, if you have Shudder, you can kind of go watch it. It's really, really good. Yeah. But, we're gonna we, we kind of jumped on horror with you know a, went on a horror tangent here, but let's let's kind of get into other things that we got on the docket today. Um, Nick, what what what, what 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 should we start with? Um, let's talk about some MCU news. Mm-hmm. So uh, Dakota Johnson is in talks to play Madame Web. Uh, this past week, uh, it's it was announced by I think a Hollywood reporter and some other outlets that she's in talks to play this uh, character for an upcoming solo film. Um, if you don't know, Madame Web was the elderly clairvoyant mutant with telepathy and the ability to sense psionic powers within people. Now, the controversy with this is. Madame Well has a, a neuromuscular disease that affects the eyes and face and leads to skeletal muscle weakness. Weakness. So this is like, why is this able-bodied person playing a disabled character? And right now there's like no, there was really no need to do it anyway, but Hawkeye kind of made it even more apparent that you can be able to find disabled actors and actresses to play these disabled characters. So a lot of people are like, okay, what the fuck is going on? Why are you portraying, why are you casting this able-bodied person to play this character? And what are your thoughts about it? Um, I, I think they should try to find, and again, you know, this is, this is Sony's side of the house. So, you know, they're going to probably do they're not going to do it correctly as maybe MCU will probably do stuff. But I mean, well, how Disney Marvel will do stuff. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I I can understand why they may want Dakota Johnson, but it'd be nice if they could actually find a person who is who can play that role correctly. Um, so I will hope they will think of, I mean, it's already been announced, but I will hope they kind of keep that in, the, in their back pocket going forward. Um, my only joke I would make is, you know, Madam Web was good with predicting the future. If y'all kind of go back and look at how Dakota kind of went at Ellen. And kind That's of, true. It kind of, kind of was the callous of ending kind of Ellen. That, you know, you know. That's kind of funny. I think. That was right before Will, COVID hit too, right? It yeah, was like I that Christmas Steph 2019. Will, right. And Steph, I will, friend of the show, kind of made a meme. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
That's where it all started. Adam Webb's glasses. So, you know, anything is possible here. But I wish they would have thought a little bit more carefully about how they was going to cast this character. Because Madam Webb is a very popular character. And I've always wondered, you know, in some ways, it felt like we would have saw Madam Webb in the latest Spider-Man movie, especially going into, um, you know, the Doctor Strange stuff, because that fits, that perfectly fits, because Madam Webb saw all infinite possibilities. So that, you know, it's kind of interesting that they bring in Madam Webb in there, but it makes me wonder will Madam Webb play a future role when we, you know, look into anything with Doctor Strange or Wanda or what have you. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think they... I don't know, when it comes to certain characters, whether they're, you know, have uh, disabilities or what or whatnot, as long as the person they cast can actually portray the character and bring it to life, then I'm good. Because, um, I mean, you look at uh, the Bone Collector, Denzel Washington is a fully abled man, and he plays someone who is like pretty much a paraplegic from the neck down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Christopher Reeve played uh, in Secret is it Re- Rear Window. I don't think he was paralyzed at the time when he was playing that movie because I think it was before Superman or or before no, it was after Superman, but it was before his um, unfortunate horse riding accident. So I mean, it really doesn't matter if they're physically able or, or not. For me, it's more so can you portray the character. But the thing is, Madam Webb. I know her from watching Spider-Man, the cartoon, as a kid growing up, and they didn't really show her till towards the end of the series. So it's like, uh, a lot of these kids are going to look like, who the fuck is this woman? Who is this character? I never heard of her, you know? And it, I wouldn't cast Dakota Johnson, because she's, to me, she's a little too young to play Madam Webb. Um, y'all could have got Kate Blanchett, or, um, uh, oh my God, what is her name? Tony Collette. Y'all could have got her, somebody, a little, uh, just a little bit seasoned, I would say. I think later in the comments, they did de age Madam Webb. So there's it's one that's been de aged, that's one they go back to the, the original. So I guess they're trying to play on both situations. So we'll see how that will go. But I've seen the de age one, and the de age one worked a lot with Spider Woman. So it's a lot. Um, we'll see how they're going to play this off again. This is Sony's side of the house. So, does this character's disability play into her powers? Because I have no, I know like references from the Spider Man cartoon, but, uh, but other than that, I'm not familiar with this character at all. It, it does, but I think they didn't make they didn't make a, a lot of it in the comics, and it's been a long time since I read when Madam Web Madam Web got in there when I was really young. So I would have to go back and revisit that. But I felt like at times they did they talk more of the blindness, if anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's something I have to go back and look at. But I see the sides of people, you know, because sometimes. Um, if someone is playing a role of someone with a disability, sometimes sometimes they may have the approval of the community to do so, and sometimes they don't. But nowadays, it would be nice if they would reach out to that. And I know Nick mentioned um, 
that when you think about Hawkeye, they were able to do that because the person who's playing Echo is someone that we 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 don't know. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, but I also see what AJ is saying too. Is you know maybe you know they looking at who can play the role and how they would do that too. And we've seen where they've had someone play someone disabled to someone who wasn't able to play a disabled person. So we'll see how all that stuff turns out. And they may not even play anything up to that character. They may even remix that character totally different. So we'll yeah. see how that goes, but that may also be controversy if they even do that. So let's see how Sony turns this out. Um, but Madam Web as a character is a very interesting person in that Spider-Verse. So I, I'm really interested to see how they're gonna pull this off. Well, speaking of movies, it was reported last year um, that Stephen Canals, creator of Pose, wants to direct an X-Men movie. Now, he's wanting to start this campaign last, he started it last year and he's re-upping it again to get into the room with Kevin Feige and the other Marvel execs to get him behind the behind the camera, which I think having somebody like Steven direct an X-Men movie, I think would be really cool to take what he has done with Pose and marginalized characters and just remix it into X-Men, which it's a almost a a one for one ratio. What do you all think? Uh, I don't know because I want to. I want to. I want to hear what what is he bringing to the table? What is his concept for X Men? Because don't get me wrong, Brian Singer did a great job on the first one. Um. And then when the we had one? first class, I felt that the first one, it, it the first one was pretty good, but when they came out with first class, to me that one stayed true to the comic books. And of course, we had Dark Phoenix, which was just trash, um, and Days of Future Past, trash. But my thing is, and not to, I think I, I like Days of Future my own Past. I hated it because they waited too long to bring in the Sentinels. We had so many damn movies and so many opportunities to bring in the Sentinels. You want to wait 20 years later. But I digress. My thing is, not to shave my own community, but child, do not push that gay agenda up in these goddamn X-Men movies. We know there are some gay X-Men characters. Don't try to push it too much now because it's like, baby, you coming from the ballroom world. Now you, now you, you, you tread lightly. You stepping on some territory where a lot of people rip you to shreds if you do it wrong. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious to see what story are you going to tell? You know, because there's so many variations of X Men you can do. And the other thing is, is who are who do you envision for these characters? You know, because I mean, whoever is the next Wolverine, they have a lot to live up to. Because he Jackman right. pretty much set that tone, and the same thing for Professor X. You know, Patrick Stewart was a great Professor X. Um, so I mean, I don't know. We just have to see. I'm, I don't know. 
I don't know. I I, I guess I'll wait till it comes out and then I'll I'll make my decision, not judgment, but I mean in the words of Wendy Williams, I'm not judging, but I'm judging in a way. Mm-hmm. I think um when the uh the interview that he did with Gay Times, he said that he would like to do maybe like the Phalanx Covenant, um, that storyline, which I would love to see the Phalanx on the uh, big screen and not just the Phoenix saga. Uh, something that is, I don't want to say less obscure, but not is not as widely known. Like maybe do like, what was it, Executioner song or um, something like that. But I think he would do. I think he would do good. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you, Nick. I think. <clears throat> I think Stephen can bring something new to the table. The Felix, the Felix comment was a was a pretty good storyline. Now I I read it before I saw it on the, as a cartoon, and it was a very complicated story because it it involved so many of you know it involved so much you know it has something to do with Warlock, who's a member of the. New Mutants, it had a lot to do with Cable because of Cable and his circuitry and things like that. So it's, um, and it was a very dangerous situation where, you know, they were in very deep life and death situations. Um, and then you think about the Executioner song, that was also something else because you were dealing with um, Genosha. And I think when you, you have a little bit of Genosha in that, you have a little bit of, and you know, they never really talk about Genosha. I think Genosha could be a great storyline to play with um, Mr. Sinister, just bringing Mr. Sinister in, his involvement in overall, things being done. Um, even the, the, they didn't do this in a cartoon, but they could do the issue of, um, which I think will be very good with Steven, is the mutant massacre, where there are certain type of mutants. There were mutants who lived in the sewers. Um, and I think they did have them in the cartoons, but you know, that's where yeah. If Warlocks and all that Callisto and all them come from. It could be a nice story between like the mutants who are who do well, the ones who do not, or the ones who are the, you know, the turnaways. And and Steven did a great job of kind of talking about that when it came to um, issues in pose. So that could be another thing he can play with too, um, is to kind of play with the Morlocks, bring them in, have that moment between Storm and Callisto, uh, which will be fun to watch. Um, so, and have it done the right way. I know they had to do it a certain way for the cartoon, but do it the right way. We had blades, we had straight up daggers involved. So that would be neat too. But if anything, I'm gonna have to go back. I, I, I did like Days of Future Past only because we saw how deadly the Sentinels were and why we needed- And motherfuckers was scary. Yeah, they was just, you couldn't stop them. But I did hate the fact that we did watch a lot of mutants of color just die off in the beginning. And believe it or not, I mean, I, I I did take a moment when they killed Storm. I was like, oh, wait. Oh, it kind of hit me a little bit, a little bit. Um, so I was like, it just happened so fast. It was like, boop, and then, uh, and mm-hmm. then, oh, damn. So, and, you know, I, I do, that's the only one I actually like. The rest of them. Were I thought X two was not bad. X two was my favorite. It was X two was all right. I forgot about the first one to be honest with you. I, <laughs> I forgot all about the first one. The X two was all right because I I will say this now X two when it did come out and I remember being in the theater 
that moment when Gene was about to hit that Phoenix moment, the theater was just elated. Like I've never seen a crowd just jump up and down and scream so much mm-hmm. in my life. That that has never happened in any movie I've ever seen. Now, I've seen people react to things like when um one of the I think when um the, the Andrew um um Garfield Spider Man walked through the that, that that thing people did cheer and did scream, mm-hmm. but that. The moment when Gene was descending into the Phoenix, that theater was crazy. And I would never get that moment. So I would say because of that moment, and I remember sitting there just because I was sitting like something's gonna happen. Something's gonna happen. She's doing this, something's gonna happen. And all of a sudden you saw it like I was like, oh, and I was screaming. Every gay and everything was just screaming, running around. It was just a beautiful moment. So I would say two, two, um, and um uh Days of Future Past are the ones that I will go to. I would. I have to say that when they from from first class, first class could have been. I'm. I'm just, I will always be mad at first class. I will always be mad at first class because of what they did to um, what's his name. But I feel like with I those movies, that. yeah, I feel like with those movies, Magneto never learned a lesson. He just kept. I wanted Magneto to die because I'm like, you never, you don't learn nothing from what happened to you last week, two years ago, 20 years ago. You still out here wilding out. Like, yeah, the minute, like, Apocalypse, that was on recently. And I just kept, I just caught glimpses of that. I'm like, you should have died in Apocalypse because I'm sick of you. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just sick of you. So that whole triangle between Xavier, Mystique and Magneto was just odd. It was very borderline creepy. Like, first of all, I have never heard, like, comic book wise, of Mystique like being sexually and it, it. I was assumed. I assumed that she was sexually involved with both of them, and then they were mad because Xavier was was mad because. She went with him uh, with Magneto, and then Magneto was mad at Xavier because she started off with Xavier. And I'm like, oh, we all just all fuck and get it over with. Like it, yeah. But the, it, it was, it was so annoying. Well, the funny thing is, in the comics, she she hated both of them. She didn't really. She did like you know, Magneto started the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. She ended up taking it over after he left it alone. She's never really needed them. Um, and if y'all are reading the comics now, at you know the issues of Inferno, um, she is showing the fuck out right now, and she's basically telling, she basically told, you know, Xavier and Eric that fuck you, fuck everything, give me my wife back. If you don't, I'm gonna do it myself, and she pretty much did. Mixed mm-hmm. um, Mystique, I feel like the movies did not do her justice, but in the comics. She is nobody to mess with. So that's why I kind of ignore that version. And then again, I'm sorry, Jennifer Lawrence. I, I, no. No. She was just, ugh. Every time she came on the screen as Mystique, I'm like, will you get the fuck off my screen? And it just got lazy with the art. I mean, well, lazy with the work. It was just to a point she was just wearing a blue, just blue makeup. I was like, you ain't got no scales. You ain't got nothing going on. 
just just die and she did but you know i was just like i'm just just get just stop but you know who knows what this new era of x-men is going to be um but if y'all been paying attention marvel on twitter they just did like a video about kakoa and the way they are doing it makes you wonder if they're going to kind of go in that route so Keep in mind, just keep, pay attention to how they when how Marvel has been really <clears throat> pushing it lately. If y'all seen that little animated short they did about Kakoa, pay attention to that because I think that's where they might be heading in that direction. So, I will see. say the majority of the casting when uh, 20th Century Fox had X Men was spot on, like AJ said with uh with Xavier, with Magneto, with um. Wolverine, <clears throat> even Cyclops, I thought was decently cast. James Marsden mm-hmm. just didn't have anything to do with the script because that was the script's fault. That wasn't his. Even uh, Femke Jensen as Jean Grey, I thought was good. She just didn't have enough meat there to give the character what it deserves. So I would be absolutely fine with some of them coming back. The only thing that I did not like about the first X-Men, to this day I still don't, is the way they portrayed Rogue. Talk about it. Talk about it. Rogue, when in 1992, for you youngins who don't know, in 1992, when X-Men cartoon premiered that very first episode, Rogue is a grown, fully developed woman. Mm. And her and Storm are in the mall, just got done shopping, and then the, the mall gets attacked by Sentinels, mm-hmm. and Rogue is a southern, sassy-ass woman with no-fucks attitude given. X-Men the movie comes out, they done made Rogue into a prepubescent virgin teenager. What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> I will like, never forget Brian Singer's gay ass for that. Like, how could you take away one of the most iconic X-Men characters whose powers were a little bit scary because it's like everything she touches, like, goddamn, you might kill me. But still, you done stripped her from everything we know her of. What the hell? Who is this woman? Who is this little girl? Right. right. Like, Who's yeah, child? They, <laughs> you know, they could have they had Rogue fully the way she is, and maybe have flashbacks or moments where she felt that way. Or something happened to where it's like, oh, you know, when he took people's powers away or whatever, that could have been a moment where she like retreats back to like, oh my God, you know, this was the moment. But yeah, it was hard to like watch the cartoon because we got the Rogue we deserve in the cartoon. We got her being sassy because, you know, I've been reading, I was reading Rogue um, since the 80s, you know, Rogue, I can't remember if she premiered in 83 or what have you, but she was always sassy. And one of the lines I love that she said um, when um, she was working with Psylocke and Psylocke um, took out um, Sabretooth. And she was like, I didn't want to be like, I didn't want to do it like that. I was trying to be a lady. And one of the things that Rogue said, I ain't no lady. So it was like, kind of funny how she kind of came like, I ain't no lady. So I'm going to come after him. Um, and so I missed, I missed that about her when, when I saw that movie, I was like, I don't, I don't want to see this. I want to see Rogue talk shit, 
punch stuff, fly, whoop your ass, mm. and then go hang out with Storm and the rest of the team. And we didn't even get uh, mm-hmm. Storm wasn't flying until what? Days of Future Past? No, until like no, mm. the third one. She actually well, I don't know what she 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 leaped or she rose. <laughs> yeah. This motherfucker. She is, rose in the first one. A little bit. Like uh, that was a uh, uh, like how they did storm, and the only thing she could do is uh, like this lightning, and she's having trouble with Toad of all fucking characters. I'm like, all right, so we just bullshitting here. You know, yeah, you, know, you know, we can go on and on about that because we everybody knows Rogue. Is, I mean, not Rogue. Storm is. An omega level level mutant, she can sit up here, change your temperature and your mm-hmm. fucking body. Storm can do all of these things. And they had Storm just built a goddamn, she just sit there and took Mars and rebuilt it. So mm-hmm. I'm just like, y'all, okay, we, we can we can just go down it. But we again, the cartoon right. game. Storm and Rogue more justice also gave yeah. us the storm that every gay deserved because every gay if we had yeah. the ability or any powers we'll probably be announcing them just like she would be doing. She was doing a church sermon. Because you know if it, if I had some powers too I'd be like be gone demon. <laughs> <laughs> just a cartoon period gave us everything that we wanted pretty much because mm-hmm. every character in the cartoon we could identify with or relate to mm-hmm. and they even like the cartoon series they showed more of the characters than the movies because you see morph you see um oh god juggernaut i mean you see so many you know but with the movies granted yeah it's an hour and a half two hour movie you can only cram so many but still if you got all these sequels okay introduce more and more characters into this shit like come mm-hmm. on but ugh, i digress Right, but we just hope basically when they bring them back, we got a we got a decent we got a decent storm, dark skin storm, a storm who can do stuff. If you're gonna bring us a rogue, give us you know shit talking rogue who can punch walls and stuff, can take on Superman, and give us a mm-hmm. jinkery we can believe in. That's all I'm saying. That's all Not this whole timid. Oh, oh, I just got a headache. Oh, oh, there's too many voices in. Like, okay, girl, take some ibuprofen and lay down. I mean, before we move on, I will say this. The next Jean Grey, you better be as good as, as Famke Jensen because she set the bar for me because I love Famke as Jean Grey. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. I mean, y'all, they should have just did Dark Phoenix as an adult. Just give us the like, whole five-part like, yeah. saga right there from the cartoon and just make, right. that, make that the movie. The source <laughs> material was right there. Yes. And you can even bring back that wig. You can bring back that wig she had in X2. I'm fine with that wig, too. You can bring that wig. Oh, feather short hair wig. Yeah, <laughs> bring that because I was feeling that wig. I almost wanted to... I, I was not feeling that kitty cat <laughs> shaking you know and shake it and put it on. No. You know, hell no. I'll go into the office with that wig. But oh, <laughs> no, ma'am. What? No, ma'am. What else we got on the docket? <laughs> we got some video game news. So, so, oh, go ahead, AJ. So I'll step in on this one because I'm a big GTA fan. I've 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 played GTA since PlayStation Two. Um, Rockstar has always 
you know, given us more and more with GTA with throughout this throughout the series, even with San Andreas and Vice City. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, why are y'all holding on to GTA Five for so long? Give us GTA Six already. We need a continuation. I mean, even if it's not with Franklin and Michael and Trevor, give mm-hmm. us something because I've played GTA Five multiple times on ps4 and i played it on ps5 even when i had my ps4 i played it three times so i can get the three different endings mm-hmm. but it's like okay basically the same question over and over we're all waiting for what is taking y'all so long <laughs> right so yeah gta 6 is allegedly in quotation marks uh well under development I don't believe that until I see actual gameplay, until I see an actual disc that is in my hand, I won't believe that. Until I see a teaser trailer with an announcement date. Something. And even then, you know, it's going to be delayed because all of these companies, they'll give you the bearers of shit and then delay the fucking shit. So GTA 5 has been, it was, well, it came out 2013 on the PS3. And since then, it's been on the, it's been a PC, it's been a PS4, it's been on PS5. It's going to actually be ported over to the PS5. And honestly, I'm I'm not in a rush to play GTA 6. However, it feels like GTA 6 should have already been out. Like, why are we doing this game over, this old game over and over again? And the only the reason is it keeps on making money. I think the last time since its release, and this is just this game alone, GTA 5 has made more than $6 billion in revenue for Rockstar. So I guess from their perspective, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. But still, everybody is wanting this GTA 6. And we might get it, like maybe a teaser. <sighs> Maybe the end of this year, beginning of next year, if Who knows? if we're uh, led to believe that is well under development. And but we'll see. GTA Five was so popular that um, it broke the record that was set by Call of Duty Black Ops at selling two million copies. Mm-hmm. It broke the record by one day by selling, you know, one point fifty-seven million copies mm-hmm. in the UK. So, I mean, right. yeah, this game is very popular throughout the world, but I think because it's, honestly, it's one of the most popular online playing games as well. Oh, yeah. Where people can play online with their friends. Now, I don't do the online playing. I'm I'm a solo person. I don't need to be playing with my friend. I don't need to play with people online. I may play with my friends online, so to speak, but the at randoms. the end of the day, I want to do the story mode. I mm-hmm. want to play the goddamn story. And right. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I'm more so focusing on uh, Hogwarts Legacy than GTA 6 at this point. <laughs> Shit. Truly, like I, I have other things to worry about game wise than GTA mm-hmm. 6. They'll give it they'll give it to us when it's ready and yeah, grow. I, I don't know when that'll be. But it's right. a more I'm, I'm hoping we get a I'm hoping we get a sequel to Detroit Become Human. Shit. 
you know, I still haven't finished that. Girl, don't even get me started. I highly wrong. recommend it. On yeah, games I highly that recommend I it. It's yeah. a, um, I, t- I tell my coworkers that our game is all the time. Like a lot of them have never heard of that game, which I'm so surprised. Mm-hmm. But I think it was one of the games that kind of slipped under the radar. But to me, they use the same technology that they did Avatar, which makes it look so real. Yeah. But I love the storyline where mm-hmm. androids are the new minority. They are the new black people. And the three stories that intertwine with each other is so beautifully done. And the plot twist, um, which I won't give away because I'm sure many people have not heard the game. So when you play, you'll see the, you'll, you will see the plot twist. Okay. Um, uh, and just the way the three different endings and just the way that basically we need more games where it's not one note. We need it to where you have choices and the choices you make can affect the outcome of the game. So it's like you mm-hmm. may piss yourself off because you chose you made the wrong choice. Right. Like, have you, uh, have you played uh, Heavy Rain? Heavy Rain is kind of like a game like I, that. Exactly. It's because it was Detroit Become Human is developed by the same company of Heavy Rain. Okay. And it's pretty sense. much almost like a continuation in a way. Because I did start to play Heavy Rain at first, and I was just like, I can't do it. And it's under the same line with Beyond Two Souls, and um, right. which was one of the most craziest games I ever played because there's no, uh, I don't want to say it. There's like nothing on the screen when you're playing the game. It's just that one is really like you're, you're playing like a movie because there's mm-hmm. nothing, there's nothing that tells you go here, go there, push this button. It's just, you have to figure it out. Victor, I think so some creepy, of these games but... would be a good introduction to you since you don't game, like not some, yeah. not something that's heavy, like a shooter, but something that's more interactive and story-based. A story arc. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm still interested in possibly checking that stuff out and i think when um there's a convention coming up i said i was going to go into and i know wondercon is going to have some stuff about it so i was going to maybe take a slow step into some of those rooms when it comes to that because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. i feel like the good thing about being a gamer is there's different we're there's different types of gamers mm-hmm. you know it's almost like it's almost like we're kind of like athletes in a way where you have your basketball players your football players your soccer players your hockey players with gamers you have your your rpg players your your uh your racing your first person shooters you know your sports players like and some of us are like a mixture we can do all of them me i'm more of rpg um and uh fighting type you know, I love my my Kingdom Hearts and Detroit Become Human, but I also love my Mortal Kombat and Dead or Alive or, you know, because it's different. It's different once it depends on your mood and stuff. And I've always said gaming for me is my therapy. Mm-hmm. It's just a way you can just take out all that aggression and just play. But it helps you. It's a good escapism as well Very. from the outside world to forget, you know, what's going on, especially now mm-hmm. in the past few years you know because it's like when COVID first happened and if like if you weren't a gamer before you show became a game listen kids it's like okay let me see what the f- <laughs> ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
<laughs> you know, you grab your kids' control, like, let me see what the fuck this, this child right. is ranting and raving about, and you get hooked. You like, know? mommy, I and they, play. And even, the, yeah, and even the companies now, like Sony, like, they they make you want to play the games, but they also make you want to buy the accessories. Like, Sony PS5 have come out with, like, most different color controllers, which I love, because they have this neon pink. It's just... It's, that pink is I cute. Love that the pink color is very cute. This looks so neat. It's very cute. I kind of want to get that. And, um, you know... And the, even, uh, the, the screens to the, uh, Nintendo the, um, with, the covers are different. Um, to your yeah, PS5, you get, like, color coordinate. Oh, yeah, the skins. Yeah. yeah, the skins, yeah. And even with like Nintendo Switch, they just did a um uh a thing with like uh Nintendo, not Nintendo, Sega Genesis and N64, where they have like a different bunch of games you can play from back in the day, like 007. Like because people for our generation, we remember when Nintendo 64 came out, it was all about Mario, Zelda, and Goldeneye. Mm-hmm. those were the three you want to do and yep. that's what i love about the gaming world and then we can move on after i say this what i love about the gaming world is each console has like their own like mascot nintendo was mario mm-hmm. sega was sonic sony was um i want to say crash crash Band- crash bandicoot yeah. spiral yeah yeah you know and and then when the handhelds came out pretty much i mean game boy pretty much was was the rule of the handheld system it was all about pokemon and kirby mm-hmm. pokemon and kirby mm-hmm. but i mean we'll see with gta 6 hopefully we'll have something by the end of this year we'll have some sort of announcement because <sighs> right we've been asking for a minute but you know it's this year just in general is really deep as far as gaming so I don't think, well, they, I can see both ways of them announcing something and then not announcing something. But what this year, no matter what system you're on, there's a lot of games, there's a lot of new games to choose from. Mm-hmm. I'm looking up some, and it's like, I was looking up some of the games y'all was talking about so I can be like, oh, okay, how about these colors? I'm like, let me go look at this. <laughs> well, yeah, and they, they, they make you want to do it. And, it's like, I pray we never get a GTA movie. I pray we don't because there's so many movies that are like GTA. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we don't need a GTA movie. <laughs> the only cool thing about GTA is, especially when they have it set in Los Angeles, quote unquote, it really reminds you of LA. I mean, San Andreas came out when they, when they did Los, is it Los Santos? That's supposed to be like Los Santos, Inglewood. Yeah. It's supposed to be like Inglewood. Uh-huh. And it really did remind me of Inglewood because <laughs> they had they they did a great imitation of the, of the form, and even Lost in Tourists, which is supposed to be Las Vegas. I mean, I love the architect of it, which is amazing. And like they put a lot of work into these these newer do. GTA games. Like, and it's and when you, I know it is a production. It is, and when you look at the graphics. From then to now, you're like, damn, back then we thought this was the coolest shit we ever seen. And now we look at it today, it's like, this demographics are shit compared to now. Exactly. 
be like, oh, this is cool. And then like now, like get the shit off my screen. Hello. (laughs) But in some more video game news. So last episode, we reported about the acquisition of uh, Activision by Microsoft. Now, Sony is in talks to buy Bungie. Uh, if you don't know what who Bungie is, Bungie is a uh, company that was previously bought by Microsoft that did Halo and they did Destiny. Uh, Sony is in the bis- uh, process of buying them for about $3.6 billion. Now, they say that Sony is going to be ran as an independent subsidiary, which I guess means that they're going to be a third-party publisher, whatever. I don't know. But this um, is interesting because there was a a TikTok person that was talking about the acquisition of Activision by Microsoft and how this is going to severely, how that was going to severely undercut Sony because Microsoft is buying all of these uh, developers and then undercutting the price of those games by putting them on Game Pass for like 10 bucks versus Ooh. the other companies they have to put these games out for 60 70 dollars and are not recouping those funds and they said they also mentioned that yes Sony has games and accessories Microsoft basically they have operating systems which are on every computer so they can recoup they can potentially recoup these funds but also dump all of these funds at basically a uh what do they call it a a sunk cost if you will if you know business terms into uh microsoft into uh, all of these games and not have a profit but still have all of these games which yeah they can they can do all of that so I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. I think we're just going to have to game it out and see what happens. But this is looking mm-hmm. almost like a monopoly on both sides, especially for Microsoft. Because um, I remember to age myself when MCI back in the 90s got in trouble for uh, monopoly practices and they had to be broken up. Uh, so we will wait and see. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see because I had to look up the story. And then when I saw Bungie is the ones behind Halo and Destiny, um, mm-hmm. and those two have kind of like fallen off. Because at first, uh, when Halo came out, everyone was playing Halo that had an mm-hmm. Xbox. And yep. um, and sometimes I think it's cool that certain games are exclusively for this console or that console. Like Kingdom Hearts was exclusively for PlayStation for the longest. For the um, absolute longest. And yeah. Halo was exclusively for Xbox. Yeah. And I think what kind of killed the... I don't want to... What do I want to say? That kind of like killed competition? the popularity of Halo... Well, yeah, the one thing that killed the that killed off Halo and Destiny's popularity was Fortnite. Mm-hmm. That killed it because when Fortnite came out, 
It's for every single system that you can do it on PC, uh, PlayStation, Xbox, Switch. It's like, well, who the hell wants to do Halo and Destiny? And it was free. Fighting space when I can. And it was free. And then they also included DLC that you had to pay for, but still. And then they included characters from different franchises Spider Man, The Matrix. Um, they even did two concerts, one with Travis Scott and Lil mm-hmm. Nas X. So yep. it's like they really kicked Fortnite, kicked Halo and Destiny's ass out the water. But like you said, the for the ones who are Halo and Destiny fans, they just have to wait and see what's going to happen. Right. I don't think they're going to be um, saying that, oh, Destiny is a now a Sony exclusive. I don't think they're going to... That would be stupid to segment mm-hmm. your market like that and then take away the game from millions of users. They wouldn't... They're not... Yeah. I don't think they're going to do that. Much like Microsoft is not going to say, oh, now Call of Duty is now an Xbox exclusive. <laughs> it might be a time exclusive, but it won't be like Xbox. <laughs> That's silly. Uh-uh. It won't. Uh, but I think that's enough of Upmace Tea for today. Victor, what do we have brewing for our king size issue? Well, we're going to talk about, we've been talking a little bit about some heroes and stuff like that, but we're going to talk about um, kind, of, kind of the, the mindset of, it's kind of hard to kind of put in words, but the whole mindset of a hero, how we perceive heroes, and can heroes kill? Are they allowed to kill? Do we accept it when they do kill versus when they are dealing with villains or you know what have you? Because some arguments will say that you know some of the heroes were killing people. Um, you think about you know Captain America back in the day. You know he was killing you know people. Does that make him a hero? Um, and yet, you know, there's different heroes that we, you know, spy, uh, uh, Batman, who pretty much terrorizes Gotham just as much as the, the villains. Um, do we kind of look into that? Do we kind of justify what they do as, you know, when it comes to killing people? And, and, and is that okay? Is that not okay? Um, it was something that Nick brought up in a way of we should talk about that because what is considered okay when it comes to to heroes killing. And so we'll have this conversation about that. I personally, I'm all about if it is a means to an end or if it has to be done, it has to be done. Exactly, um, I agree. Sometimes it depends like, on the scenario. Yeah, it's like, um, for example, in the X-Men, um, way back in the comics, they had to sacrifice their lives um, to save the world. Um, Forge had to cast a spell. This was during the, um, I can't remember the start, the name of Death of the Mutants. I think it was like the Death of the Mutants or something like that. Um, they had to, the adversary was a, an old villain of Forge and he was going to destroy the world. Forge had to cast a spell that used the X-Men They had to give up their entire, like they had to die to stop the adversary. Um, and so he killed them basically but they 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 came back but um he had to kill him and that's where at one point um mystique basically said forge i'm gonna get you because you killed my daughter i'm coming for your ass but um it was a moment where it's like okay that had to be done 
and they knew they knew it had to be done. But there's also a moment where Wonder Woman had to fight um, Max Lord, and and don't if you never if you don't know who Max Lord is, do not use Wonder Woman '84 as a as a catalyst to understand who who Max Lord is. Max Lord is is purely evil. And so at one point, he has the ability of influencing minds or almost like a telepathic way. So he has he had um, Superman in a in a bind. He had him under his control. Superman could have been was like literally almost killing people, like destroying places and everything. Wonder Woman had to intervene, fight Superman to a standstill. And when she got a hold of Max Lord, she put her lasso around him and asked him, what do I need to do to stop him, stop you from doing this? He said, you have to kill me. And she snapped his neck. Um, so I felt like it had to be done in order to save the world because Superman would have killed everybody. Um, but I would love to hear what people think of this um, but I think if it justifies, if it's a means to an end, it has to be done. I think this is something that, you know, should definitely be put out there on Facebook to get everyone's different opinions because there's no right or wrong answer with this one. And, you know, like you said, Victor, it, it has to come, it depends on the scenario, really, because when you look at a hero the hero is supposed to defeat the villain or not necessarily destroy them, but to defeat them. And to defeat them, sometimes you have to kill them because if you don't, they're going to keep coming back, coming back, and coming back. And um, with Marvel, they're trying to show that, you know, you necessarily don't have to kill someone, so to speak. But then there are some heroes, you know, where you got to, it's either you or me. And it's like, Hey, you got to go. <laughs> you just got to go. You know, like you said, Batman has shown that countless times with every villain he's encountered, he has to pretty much kill them, so to speak, to stop the madness. So, I mean, I don't know. Well, uh, let's talk about Batman for a second because Batman, Miss Girl, Miss Bruce, um, he always has to have the Joker around. And I think that he needs the Joker as much as the Joker needs him because Bruce Wayne and Batman have this, I think this savior complex that, oh, I am, I know what I'm doing is right. However, to I'm gonna keep Joker around to put me in a better light. You know, it's it's kind of sick in a way because I know what this guy is doing is dead ass wrong and I could kill him and take away the the uh the problem altogether. But because I'm so full of myself and I think that the town needs me more than they might, they maybe should. I want to keep him around to show me in a better light, and that's where I think heroes, some of these heroes are flawed. Uh, take for instance in Hawkeye, um, when Clint uh, went on his killing spree uh, after Endgame or after the blip, which 
it didn't make no kind of sense that, oh, my family is gone. So now I'm just going to go kill off these random Asian guys or Asian people because I can. And I, I killed this person's father. And now that she can't have revenge because, oh, he's the hero. Well, is he a hero? Because a lot of those characters, a lot of those MCU characters have blood on their hands, especially uh, Iron Man, uh, Captain America. They're not this, I think, especially now after they defeated Thanos, there's not this happy-go-lucky, oh, everything is back to normal. They have to deal with a lot of the shit that transpired during the blip and after the blip. And it's not a black and white kind of thing. And I, I like this, that way that they're going with them. I, I see what you're saying about Hawkeye, but I felt like in his, in his eyes, he was killing these people because of the bad they were doing. Um, in the world. Like when I think about Echo's father, Echo's father, he was in crime. He was in high crime. He working with um, the Kingpin. Kingpin, I mean, Kingpin is, even that man trying to be charming, I'm like, you still a murderer though. You still killing folks. You still got people on this, on this, you know, on this thing here where people are dying due to owing you or doing stuff for you. So I'm like, Again, as a hero, I, I do think, yeah, if Batman needs to be held accountable, because in a lot of ways he could have killed the Joker so many times. Uh, and when the Joker wild out and, and put, you know, make smile X and do all that type of stuff, part of me would be like, there should be somebody be like, Batman, this is your fault, because you could have killed him last week. You could have, it's actually all the hero's fault, because y'all could have just killed. And I think they had that code of we don't kill um, Wonder Woman doesn't really have that code um, because she is all about we have to do what we got to do when it comes down to it. Good or bad, because um, even when she's a villain, she's right up there, like with okay, who we killing? All right, say less. Yeah, because <laughs> she yeah, because then what's that in that in that um, different world whatever that was? She didn't take <laughs> Mira out. We're even coming to step into her in a certain way. So mm -hmm. we know Diana is not any joke, but I do believe that heroes have, a, they have to, they do have, they, they are on that weird line of things, but I do think they have to sometimes wonder when they are justified, why not to take a villain out? What are they trying to do? Are they trying to help villain? Cause you know, Superman, he doesn't really, when he did kill, and you know, if we want to look at Man of Steel, when he had to kill the people from his, those were people who were trying, who would have destroyed Earth. So I feel like he had to do what he had to do, but I think he doesn't want to do that. But if it's a Wolverine, Wolverine will be like, all right, y'all got to die. I'm going to be the one to do it. And that's how it's going to be. I think sometimes people need to have the mindset of a Wolverine. And I think if y'all, if some of y'all, if you, if you cannot read through the X-Men over the years, 
they do realize that sometimes Wolverine does make sense and why he needs to take people out. And there's been times where it's like he and Storm have argued about, there was a moment in the um, Days of Future Past comic book where he's like, when um, Mystique and, and, and the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants are attacking, he was basically about to go in like, you know what? I'm about to just slaughter all of you. Let's go for it. And Storm stopped him. And he was mad at Storm because she was like, take your claws out. I mean, she no, she said, sheave your claws. He was like, no. And she's like, as the leader of the X-Men, I'm telling you to do this. Um, but if he would have had his way, we wouldn't have really dealt with anything. And there's been times he and Mystique have been back and forth. Um, and he was literally trying to kill her. Um, and again, it's, it's kind of tricky because there's times it's justified, there's times it's not. Xavier, if we want to go down that path, Xavier has done some evil ass things. Where he Xavier could had be- little kids in yeah. his damn school fighting fights that he couldn't fight. Yeah, and he has actually been played a role in some many dark days. So, you know, it's kind of hard to justify some of the reasons why they do what they do. But if we're gonna, yeah, if you want to talk about some hero stuff. Xavier should be on should be on trial for some of the stuff he has pulled throughout the years. Yeah, Xavier Xavier does indeed have blood on his hands. I don't care which way you cut it, he has blood on his hands. And also, when we're talking about heroes, like. I'm still waiting for Wanda's comeuppance in the MCU. Like you, your iRobot dude is dead. And so to, you know, go through the emotions, you kidnap an entire town full of folks. And then at the end, you're like, oh girl, my bad. I was just going through some things. Like, oh, that's it? That that's that's the extent of your punishment. Like I, I know it's to prove it's to further an agenda that's coming. However, Wanda got to pay for that shit. If she got to pay with her life, may, that's maybe a little extreme. But at least some kind of severance package for these folks that just spent all this time away, or like a, a, a edible arrangement or some shit. Yeah, <laughs> Wanda, Wanda should, because Wanda, the weight, because if y'all remember the last episode, she just kind of left him there with that situation. Right. And I was like, is this how you gonna do that? I mean, and maybe that might be addressed. That might be addressed in, in the latest movie to come out, but Wanda needs to be held accountable for that. She does. Um, and I, I, I was talking last week, uh, well, last show about uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and how the and introduction to Isaiah Bradley, it kind of um, makes everything that happened beforehand seem like, oh, well, did the heroes, especially Captain and Iron Man, did they actually know that this person existed? And if they did exist, why did they keep him so hush-hush away from everybody and out of the public eye? Because he was the original 
oh, I don't want to say original. Well, did Isaiah Bradley come before this uh, Chris Evans um, captain? He, he was after. So after. he, because remember, Captain America was there. He was gone. They didn't know where he really was. No, at one point they didn't know where he was because remember they they found him later than they brought him back. But in that time that he was gone, they introduced Isaiah Bradley to it. And you also remember they kind of talked about it in Civil War because there were the other ones who had the serum as well. Mm -hmm. I took them all out, but there were others with the serum. So therefore Isaiah had it in absence of Captain America. I just think there's no way that they didn't know because didn't, I want to say Iron Man's father was doing some shady shit, even on Agent, was it Agent Carter? He was always had some kind of disaster that our homegirl had to clean up after him. But I think they know more than we think they know, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because Cap, because even when, you know, Civil War, Cap knew, as you think about the hero, Cap knew about what happened to Iron Man's family. And so, and never said anything. And I think he would say, I was trying to protect you from it. But I was like, but you know, that's not how it goes. Because that's, there were times, you know, they did the same thing to you, kind of. And so, about Bucky to some degree. So, you know, it's very interesting when you look at how they justify why they did what they do, what they believe and what they believe. Um, and, you know, you think about it, Natasha never claimed to be a hero. She just tried to do the right thing, but she never claimed to be a hero. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Natasha, for the most part, I enjoyed that character. Um, now, I, I might not like the actress, but the character was, eh, she filled a purpose. You know what I mean? She was, I liked, I also liked in, in the What If series how her and um, Hawkeye were the only ones in that one episode where uh, everybody was dead, basically. Um, yeah. You know. One more thing I will bring up is um, if you read the, and I think they kind of address this in the cartoon, in the original Dark Phoenix saga, there was the choice they had to make, and people will go back and forth with it, about killing Gene, because it was like, we have to either let Gene die. Because at one point when they went to, you know, when they, you know, Lalandra and all, it was like, we got to kill her because the universe is at stake. And Xavier was like, no, let's fight for it. You know, and I'm like, okay, y'all can fight for her life, but y'all still have to deal with that. That was a lot with that because at one point, even she knew that you're going to have to get rid of me. And she even told Wolverine because she knew Wolverine's the only one who can do it, not even her own boyfriend. She was like, Wolverine, you're going to have to take me out because if I, if I keep on, I'm going to kill everybody. And he couldn't do it, but it's interesting how she knew that it was he was only one. But the justification at the time was interesting because I, as I reread it not, not so long ago again, Xavier knew that this was this was it. If they didn't let 
a part of me was like, Xavier, you should probably, you should have let them like take that out. I know that was, that's your student, that's your baby, whatever, but the universe is at stake. And the fact that they was going to fight, he put his X-Men in danger again because they could have all died from that fight with um, the Imperial Guard. So I was I like- I mean, they did oh. get their asses kicked twice. Yeah. Um, they did. And- you know, I always say the Phoenix Saga at its core is a love story. Like whether it's the love that Cyclops had for Jean or the other X-Men had for Jean, it is a, a story about love and the the lengths that are you are willing to go to, go to for that friend that you love so that for that friend or that person that you love so much. Um, and I can understand how Jean was like, look, I can't control this shit. This bitch is tussling and I can't do it anymore. Um, and there's a there was a line in the cartoon where she's like, uh, she's talking to Cyclops. She's like, I can't do this like every moment of every day. I can't rest because I can't control this thing. She's like, I can imagine letting go again, but this time I'm killing all y'all. So like, am I worth this big of a risk to take? And he's like, yeah, you are. So I, I really enjoyed that juxtaposition as far as, are we going to kill her? Is she going to die by the hands of her friends or is she going to die by the hands of the Imperial Guard? Because what she did, like, granted, they didn't say that she destroyed the, um, what was it, the Dabari system? Dabari, yeah, she destroyed the Dabari. Well, they... I guess they didn't want that shown on the cartoon because it was uninhabited. But in the comics, you know, she killed like what six billion people. Yeah. So I'm like, is the needs of the few the, do the needs of the few outweigh the needs of the many in that instance? Yeah. Oh goodness. Well. We would love to hear what y'all think because it, it's tough because you have to understand, you know, again, what makes a hero, what makes the justification of their decisions. Is it good for all of us? Is it good for some? And I think that was a moment looking back. That was a moment for the X-Men to really, because honestly, by the comic standard, just like the, literally a week ago, they had to make a decision about Mora's son because Mora's son, Proteus, was out of control and they had to be like, what do we do with him? Cause Mora was like, kill him. <laughs> and, um, you know, that was, you know, Cyclops was like, I don't know if we need to do that. But it, it came down to Colossus made a decision and he killed him. Um, but they just had to deal with that type of thought process then. And then to come back into it a week later was a lot. So that's why it's, it's very fascinating. We could probably talk about this a little bit further on and we might do that we may explore some of these decisions in the movies or comics going into later episodes but it's just something to think about when it comes to how you process the thought how, how you process what is right and what is wrong and what you need to do mm -hmm. what is right right now might not be right later on all right well is there anything else that we need to get to? I don't know, AJ, you wanted to add anything to that? Or I know you still feel that, you know, they have to do what they got to do. Yeah, 
they're going to do what they got to do. But um, since um, <clears throat> since February, you know, is Black History Month, um, anybody that follows me on Instagram, uh, I wouldn't say Facebook because uh, I only add people that I really know. Um, <laughs> so you follow me on Instagram, um, you know, every day this month I'm posting, uh, you know, a little Black History you know, moment. So I've already done about what I did my sixth one. Yeah, since today's the sixth. Yeah, the sixth one. Um, so today, um, you know, I decided to do instead of a person, do a platform. So today, uh, for the Black History moment for y'all youngins, because uh, we know about this, but these youngins might not know. Back in the day, there was Def Comedy Jam that was a platform that kind of paved the way for you know, Black or African-American comics to come on and showcase their talent of not just telling jokes, but telling funny-ass stories. Mm-hmm. And that was just one of the things where we look forward to, you know, to watch on HBO, or even if you were in New York, you go see it live. And it was just, you know, a half hour of just gut-busting funny jokes, laugh till you cry, laugh till you pee. And it paved the way for you know, Martin Lawrence, Steve Harvey, some more, the late, great Bernie Mac, um, Cheryl Underwood, even Monique, Mm -hmm. um, uh, Chris Tucker, you know, and the list goes on and on and on and on. And thanks to Russell Simmons, we were able to, you know, have all these Black comedians, male and female, and just give us funny stories. So, you know, just take a moment, y'all, to look up Def Comedy Jam. I believe there's a special on Netflix that celebrates the 25 years of Def Comedy Jam. And I believe Def Comedy Jam itself is on HBO Max. So you can go back and rewatch, you know, all the old episodes. Because I, I for sure, I had one of those parents, one of those moms who didn't care. She let me watch Def Comedy Jam. No, and I had no business watching it. But, you know, shit, if you had a black mama who was cool like that, she let you watch it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's just jokes. So, but you got to be in the room um, with them. But also, you can't watch it by yourself. Right, you got to be in the room. <laughs> yeah, but also, you know, we, you know, I think with Black History Month, a lot of people fail to recognize a lot of the unsung, you know, famous Black people. Not just, you know, how we see, you know, with Kobe Bryant and Thurgood Marshall and Martin Luther King, but also like, you know, I posted. Uh, you know, Phyllis Hyman, who a lot of Black folks still don't know who she was. And she was like, she came out the same time Angela Bofield came out. And she came out before we in Houston. And there was a big controversy at Jive Records where Clive Davis decided to market Angela and Whitney and, and decided to not to focus so much on Phyllis. But Phyllis was one of those women who had that infectious personality, who was so sweet, who could sing the house down who can make you feel like you want to love somebody and then you make you want to go in a corner and cry all night long. <laughs> so, you know, but um, yeah. So that's just my little black history, little moment. And, uh, you know, but don't just celebrate black history in February. Y'all celebrate it throughout the year. You know, you know, give our flowers to uh, our black people who are still around. So you know, because mm-hmm. tragically, so far this year, we people been famous people dropping like flies. <laughs> it's sad. I think yeah. we're just 
in the month of January, we lost Betty White, Louis Anderson, Sydney Portier. Uh, like, damn. <laughs> Just like in a matter of like weeks. Right. Yeah. Um, you know. Give people their flowers when they are here. Mm-hmm. And um, let's see. You also have a podcast, like as we mentioned before, with the Velvet Rope podcast. Uh, yep. Let's see, where can they find that on? Uh, is it on all platforms? Uh, pretty much on all platforms. Uh, right now, it's uh, uh, exclusively via Facebook and YouTube uh, live. Uh, but the past episodes are on my YouTube page, um, which is for the visuals, where you can actually see myself and uh, the people I interview as well. Um, and it's a little more interactive where it's live, so you can comment and, uh, you know, I can bring your comments up on the screen and everything. But um, the audio, which I need to upload season three, uh, you can listen to that on um, Spotify. Apple Music, Google, uh, Stitcher, and Breaker. Um, but season four is actually uh, coming out this summer. I'm in the process of uh, brainstorming and reaching out to people, uh, getting some guests, and uh, uh, it's going to be fun. You know, we'll do a recap of all the stuff that's going on this year that lead up to the summer, and then it, it premieres every, uh, every other week because it is draining mentally. <laughs> um, but it's a fun show. It's a very fun show. I always say it's a mixture of Wendy Williams, The View, and T.S. Madison. So it's funny, it's raw, but it's informative. Um, it's not for kids, because uh, there is a lot of cursing that goes on in my show, because it's the internet. And I always say it's the internet, and you can say whatever the fuck you want. Um, <laughs> but we, I also think incorporate little games and this season um i've got some new stuff coming up um that you guys will see if you watch the show um and it's going to be very very funny so we're incorporating uh, a video clip of the day which a little fun little tiktok funny video but we'll also include a fashion moment uh where i will include someone who is just looking who i feel just looks amazing not just on a red carpet, but just on a daily basis. So be sure to look out for that. And uh, yeah, so season four premieres this summer of 2022. I don't have an exact date yet. <laughs> to be determined. <laughs> to right. be determined. Unlike GTA, I have a, I have a date coming. <laughs> right. GTA is like whenever we get to it. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, you can find Megasheen on Twitter at Machine one I'm at what Porter say at on Twitter. Victor's at Wonderman5. I still cannot get that. <laughs> it's like how many times uh, the podcast is on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram at Megashine. Uh, let's see. Anything else before we get up out of here? No, that is is. Take care of yourselves and celebrate Black History Month. All right, y'all. And until next time, we'll see y'all later.